Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's up, Unbroken Nation? In today's episode, I am joined by Casey McGuire Davidson as we take a deep dive in talking about alcohol, sobriety, <laughs> indoctrination of marketing and alcohol consumption and and how to start to understand whether or not alcohol is actually impacting your life. You know, I've spoken about it before um, at length, but in my, my mid 20s, it, it was all about alcohol and partying and drinking and not taking care of myself. You know, I used to drink myself to sleep for a very long time, not having the right coping mechanisms, not having the right tools to, to manage and navigate stress, social pressures, being filled like I'm too far gone dealing with the shame and guilt of it. And, and Casey's approach is really interesting because it's practical in this way that we can start to step into creating massive change in our life around the way that we not only understand alcohol from a consumer perspective and the marketing that we see every single day, especially geared towards women. I'll say this right now, if you are a, a woman, if you are a mom, if you are a wine mom, you really are going to want to listen to this episode. And, and there's no, there's no shame. There's no guilt or anything like that here, but it's just interesting conversation that she and I have about this idea of understanding that the social norms of alcohol in the years that we are in right now may actually be detrimental in ways that we don't even understand. And so I think that if you're in this place in your life where you're contemplating or you're in pre-contemplation about this idea of like, is drinking actually problematic in my life? You may want to take some time and listen to this episode. There were a lot of parallels in the conversation I had with her in thinking about my own journey with alcohol over the course of the last 36 years of my life. And so this episode, 
I think hits home for me, per- particularly and personally in many ways, because I think about where my life would be if I did not change the established relationship that I had with the adult beverages. So super exciting episode. I cannot wait for you to hear it. Thank you, of course, for being here. It means the world to me. And without further ado, Casey McGuire Davidson. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hello, my friends. I'm Michael Unbroken, host of the Think Unbroken podcast and founder of thinkunbroken.com. And I'm honored to be your trauma coach and mentor because I believe that everyone is capable of getting unstuck, cultivating self-love, and becoming the hero of their own story. I believe that when implemented correctly, the practical tools and education you will receive from this show will help you lead an unbroken and extraordinary life. I believe that no matter what we come from, that we all have the ability to choose ourselves first, to create and manifest a powerful and grace-filled future, and love the reflection in the mirror. I believe that every day is a day to grow, learn, heal, and change. That's why I started my company, thinkunbroken.com, which is an online training and healing and personal growth platform where you get everything that I know about how to get motivated, be accountable, get out of the vortex, and become the hero of your own story through community, connection, and commitment. For more information, visit thinkunbroken.com. Please listen closely as you may learn just one thing that will help you be unbroken. And please share this episode with at least three of your friends because we all need community and connection in our healing journey. And be sure to DM me and tag me on Instagram at michaelunbroken so that I can say hi. I just want to thank you again for being a part of this, for listening and being a member of the Unbroken Nation. Now, let's get into today's show and make the world unbroken. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. Super excited to be back with you with another episode with today's guest, Casey McGuire Davidson. Casey, my friend, how are you today? What is going on in your world? I'm doing well. I'm here in Seattle and we're just hitting the sort of rainy fall season. So kind of adjusting to that. Yeah, if you're a if you're a Pacific Northwesterner like I am as well, that adjustment only takes about six months. Yes, so. <laughs> exactly. And then we get then we get sunny, fabulous summers again. Yeah, the moment I get adjusted, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, it's sunny again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, for a little bit of context, can you tell everybody a little bit about your background, about your experience, and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I am a life and sobriety coach for busy women. And I got this place because after 20 years of sort of climbing the corporate ladder and building a family and doing all the things that you're sort of told you need to do, I got to the point where I was drinking a bottle of wine a night to cope or to relax, or just as a general habit in terms of like how I navigated life. So I would, you know, wake up in the morning, generally sort of feeling like garbage, Um, you know, headache, bloodshot eyes, watery eyes, trying to pull it together. I would wake up at three in the morning with with anxiety and my heart racing, and trying to figure out how I was going to make it through the day. And then I would overcompensate my entire day. So I'd get the kids up, I'd get them to daycare, I'd do all the things I'd go into work, I was a director at a fortune 500 company and do all that. And then by 5pm, 6pm, I would be dying to open wine again, and then would drink a bottle plus again, the next day. And for a decent amount of time that worked, you know, when I was younger, um, I was sort of like, God, I drink a lot, I tried to make a lot of rules about it, you know, I'm only going to have two glasses, I'm only going to drink on the weekends, I'm going to switch to beer because red wine was my jam. And none of it worked. And for a long time, I thought that wine wasn't the issue that wine was actually helping me, it was holding me together, it was my one treat and reward. And that is incredibly common for women. Also for working women, um, a lot of us 
drink daily. A lot of us drink a decent amount, you know, three quarters of a bottle of wine, a bottle of wine or more. And, you know, wake up at three in the morning and think it's we're really stressed or we have insomnia. Um, we have anxiety, we feel depression, and we sort of blame ourselves, but we don't blame the alcohol we're consuming and go to the doctor and get antidepressants and all the things. And so I got to the point where I just, you know, quitting drinking was my worst case scenario. It turned out to be the best decision of my life, but it was incredibly hard to do in society where everyone tells you that drinking is normal and good and relaxing and you need it. And so I ended up stopping drinking first for 100 days, then six months, then a year. And it's been well over five years now. And I left my corporate job. I went back to school to become a coach. I'm a life coach and I help women do the same thing I've done. Yeah, that's really incredible. Um, and it's, you know, it's so funny. I, I, when I was in my early twenties, worked for a fortune 10 company mm -hmm. and, and I had very much a similar experience where it was like, not only is it social norm of, I think, high stress workplace environments, but like we were getting drunk on our lunch break sometimes, right? We were this cell squad. We're like making all this money, like it's chaotic. And, and then I'd be like, well, how do you like, how do you navigate the chaos of all that? It's easy. You just drink more. Right. Yeah. And, and like you, I found myself in this position, which I think many people do not necessarily only in the corporate structure and environments like we were in, but also just in general, it's so common. And I, I think that, and I'm going to ask you a really interesting question, but I believe that one of the biggest reasons that it's that alcohol has become the number one coping tool for high levels of stress and high performers under stressful situations is marketing. And yeah. so what I'm really curious about from your perspective is, you know, why has wine become kind of the go to not only necessarily for, you know, working mothers and the women that you work with, but for people in Western society in general? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it's been very, very deliberate on the part of the alcohol companies in figuring out what appeals to different demographic groups and sort of elevating that to expand their market share, to get more people to consume more of the substance more often. And you, I actually used to work in brand marketing and digital marketing. And so I spent 20 years doing focus groups, doing surveys, analyzing our customers' behavior, looking at what they buy, when they buy, what their motivations were. And the exact same thing has happened with the alcohol companies. I mean, I remember when the commercials for beer were like, um, you know, the weekends belong to Michelob, like that was a campaign. And then it was the nights belong to Michelob. And then it was Michelob, some days are better than others. And that was a very clear evolution of trying to get people to normalize drinking and feel like drinking is acceptable first on the weekends, then every night, then during the day, right? Some days are better than others and associating it with every activity. And then the advertising turned to women. And that happened really clearly first with smoking when it was really common and then with alcohol. So they wanted to expand their market share, right? They were like, how do we get women to drink as much as men? And if you look at the statistics, women used to have a real delta between men with sort of alcohol use disorder, drinking above the recommended guidelines. And now it's really even. Women are, especially women between the ages of 35 and 55, they are the fastest growing group of people with health problems related to alcohol. And they are not necessarily your stereotypical, um, you know, persona of someone who struggles with alcohol. It is it is women who are mothers. It is women with high socioeconomic dollar value. And, you know, wineries, I was talking to a woman on my podcast, the Hello Someday podcast, and she said she worked for a winery in advertising and they had 50 page decks on how to appeal to women, how to appeal to women with young children. They were play, paying influencers on social media with young kids $10,000 to promote their alcohol to women. 
and it has worked. It's absolutely worked. Yeah, you know, and so my my background like yours is actually marketing, advertising and branding. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm fascinated by understanding the psychology of the psychographics involved in these decisions that brands make. I mean, if, think about it. We're both in branding and marketing still even what we do as coaches. I mean, in full transparency, anyone who doesn't recognize that they're not paying attention. <laughs> and so thinking about that and understanding and then looking at the fact that it's everywhere it's so subtle now and it's so subliminal because you go back to the 90s and i'll age myself a little bit here cigarette commercials i will never forget cool cigarette commercials on television like in between episodes of the simpsons and then wine coolers right and zima had commercials and all those things and so now there's just a different oh i got i have goosebumps talking about this because here's what i want to dive into because i want to create a framework of reference for people to understand what's happening so that we can understand, you know, is it actually affecting them negatively to the point where it makes sense to dive into tools in a deeper level? Because I think it's consciousness that helps people evaluate whether or not they actually need to do something about something. So can we dive into this a little bit more? Where where are the messages really coming from that are creating this framework that makes it so socially acceptable right now that when you see it in passing, you just go, oh yeah, that makes sense to me as opposed to direct marketing of, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, it's really become a circular firing squad to some extent. Like drinking is so prevalent in our culture. And yes, you see it in advertising and marketing, but you also see it in every television show and every movie. Like if you remember Scandal, Olivia Pope would sit there with this giant, huge glass of red wine after a stressful day, wearing all white, no idea how she didn't spill it all over the place, right? But it was a metaphor, right? It's shorthand in the way cigarettes used to be in movies. Like it's a metaphor for relaxing, for stress, for taking your shoes off, for bonding. And then our friends are part of it too, right? So, you know, as a woman, as a woman with young kids, mommy wine culture is very, very real where you have a play date with the wine. It's sort of a signifier that you are more than your children. You are not... Um, boring. It's a form of rebellion. It's something that signifies that you're on a date night with your husband. You can connect with them. And other women will tell you when you have a bad day, when your kid's having a tantrum, when your boss was a nightmare, they were like, wine immediately. Okay, you deserve a bottle of wine. Wine was the gift on my desk after we scored a big win and what we did on business trips to bond and get ready for client meetings. And it is alcohol is one of the things that if you actually stop consuming it, people ask what's wrong. People pressure you. People say, oh, don't be so hard on yourself. Just have one. You deserve it. It's fun. And the issue is if you decided to stop smoking cigarettes, nobody would pressure you to smoke nowadays. Everybody would be like, oh my God, good for you. Because there's no question that shit's bad for you, right? It's linked to cancer. It's bad for your health. It's a terrible habit. It's expensive. And by the way, all of that is true for alcohol too. I mean, alcohol is linked to seven different kinds of cancer. The American Cancer Society just said this year, which is so overdue, that no amount of alcohol is safe. And in the same way that cigarettes used to be advertised for doctors, everybody promotes this one study that was completely funded by the alcohol industry that red wine's good for your heart. People believe it. It is not true. And so it's just become part of the society. And it's like, You can drink four drinks out at night with your girlfriends and get fuzzy and not remember and go into the office and talk about being hungover. And yet if you go out to dinner with your girlfriends and say, oh, I'm not drinking, they're like, why? What's wrong? Are you pregnant? Do you have a problem? Or why are you being lame? Basically. Yeah, it's it's the words that you didn't use that I will apply, if you don't mind, uh, is indoctrination. Yes. And and that's so much of what it is. And and I think that because I do have such a marketing and branding forward mindset, when I think about things, I look at it and I go, this is simply an indoctrination to get your money. These companies do not give a fuck about you. 
Like yeah. I watched and and look, I'm very biased in a way because like I I watched alcohol destroy my family. Now I do have wine on the occasion. I'll have a drink on occasion, but the idea of being hungover is the worst case scenario for me. Yeah. And I think for many high performers, and I've I've experienced that in these, I don't want to call it bouts of sobriety, but in these time periods in which I'll go six months, a year, year and a half, two years and not touch a drop and people will be like, why are you not drinking? I will never forget the first time at like 27 years old, I'm deep into this healing journey and all my friends are going out and I made a decision, which is very important in this context. I'm not drinking. We went out to the bar, we did the things and I was like, I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking it. And the pressure, the pressure, come on in yeah. one shot, one drink, one, one, whatever I left that night. And in that moment, here's what's really fascinating, Casey, that you probably see happen with your clients that I want to dive into is people started to remove themselves from me. And mm -hmm. I started to remove myself from people. One of the things that I'm curious about is, and, and specifically diving into this, this subject around women and drinking is this gray area. Yeah. And this idea about this curiosity around a movement of sobriety, because I think one of the things that happens is fear, for lack of a better term here, stops people from stepping away from the thing that they know is destroying their life, whether yes. it's social pressures or the indoctrination that we feel, maybe if it's even at some points addiction. So what's happening? How are how are people and women specifically stepping into sobriety right now? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's amazing. And it, there are sort of many factors that are leading to that. Number one, so many women are drinking more and more. And when you drink more and more, there is no question that you are going to notice that it is negatively affecting your life, right? You don't sleep well, you wake up with a hangover, you have a headache, you're, you know, you know, that it's a problem if you drink too much. And the first step that many women go through is trying to moderate, right? It's often for like 10 years. So they try to limit it. They try to limit how much they drink. They try to limit the number of days they drink. They try to do an alcohol reset, all of which is great, right? It's part of realizing that the amount of alcohol you are consuming is not working for you in your life. Did you know that recent studies show that CBD has incredible benefits for helping with physical pain? I haven't suffered from chronic pain. I've mentioned it before. And with NW Recovery's Lavender Eucalyptus Salve, I have that pain dissipate like nothing else I've ever tried. I love NW Recovery not only because their products are non-psychoactive, which is really important to me, but also because they are created by Navy SEALs. So... Thank you so much for your service. If you're interested and you want to learn more about NW Recovery's CBD balm of lavender eucalyptus, then check out nw-recovery.com and use the keyword unbroken to save 20% on your first order. Again, that's nw-recovery.com and use the keyword unbroken to save 20% on your order. The challenge is that alcohol is addictive. When you don't drink it, you go into withdrawal emotionally, habitually, physically, even if you are abs not physically addicted to it, you still have withdrawal symptoms that makes you want to drink again, right? You are not crazy when you think, when I don't drink, I'm miserable and irritable and um, white knuckling it. You actually are. And the first two weeks are the absolute hardest to get through. Once you do that, suddenly you start sleeping better. You start feeling better. You start feeling more optimistic. But it is challenging in the beginning. The amazing thing is that there is a whole universe of people, men and women, who are increasingly out about the fact that they decided to remove alcohol from their life and that they feel better. And I really feel like the conversation is shifting from you are the problem. Alcohol is okay. Some people can handle it. You cannot. Therefore, you're sort of uniquely damaged. Two, this is a health choice in the same way it is that you were to decide to be a vegetarian or run a marathon, right? It's something to be proud of. If you stop drinking, you are going to be healthier. Weight loss is easier. You have more energy to work out. Your recovery from workouts are faster. And if you go on Instagram and you search 
any hashtags around sober, curious, alcohol-free, um, there are a million of them, right? Quit, hashtag quit drinking. You will find hundreds and hundreds of cool people who are out and proud and helpful about quitting drinking. So whereas it used to be the only option to stop drinking was sort of a 12-step program, often Alcoholics Anonymous. It was the the only thing out there, which is by definition anonymous, by definition their um, philosophy, which helps thousands and thousands and thousands of people, is you have a disease, you're powerless over alcohol. I mean, I attended for four months. It didn't happen to be my path. Um, there's a lot around that, meaning... Uh, you know, meeting makers make it keep coming back. Um, the the issue for a lot of women is, and men, I think they don't want to be in that category because there is a stigma, and walking into a twelve step meeting is very very intimidating. And you, you know, the idea is I will only do it if I am that bad, and I'm not an alcoholic, therefore. I am not going to stop drinking because I'm not quote unquote that bad. And the shift now is, hey, I I can stop drinking before it becomes a huge problem. I can stop drinking just because I feel better. And there are these amazing movements like dry January and sober October where lots of people decide to give up alcohol for a month. And there's lots of community and support around it. And that is really shifting the conversation to I'm choosing to remove alcohol from my life and see how I feel. It's an experiment and it's accepted, right? It's like, talk to your friends, be like, hey, want to do dry January? And it's more and more common. And so that's wonderful in letting people take a break from alcohol without having to declare anything and just see how they feel. And that's the whole sober curious movement, right? I am curious about sobriety. I'm curious what my life will be like without alcohol. And gray area drinking is, hey, there are a lot of people on a spectrum of having a problematic relationship with alcohol. And it isn't black and white. I feel like historically, we've always said it's black and white. Either you're an alcoholic or a have a drinking problem or you don't. And the fact is it's a spectrum. Yeah. I'm actually really glad that you just said that because I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I would have to go to uh, AA meetings with my mother as a child because my mother was for sure an alcoholic. Yeah. And in my, in my late twenties, after working this corporate job, dealing with the stress, recognizing I was drinking too much, I started going to AA meetings and I was just not only so incredibly uncomfortable, but I realized like, oh, I don't think I'm an alcoholic. I just need better coping mechanisms. Yes. And, and that was really profound to me. And it was unsettling for some of the people that I had connections with in the AA community because they said to me things along the nature of, well, you have to surrender control to the addiction. I was like, I don't feel addicted to this. I just yeah. don't know how to handle stress the right way. Yeah. And that that's really interesting that you said that because the support when I got into these bouts or these time frames of sobriety were were very much not there in that community. And I don't want to rain on on AA, and that's not what yeah. the, I'm doing by saying this. I'm just simply saying that yes, there are other ways to approach this. One of the things I'm curious about, and and I, I definitely want to talk about the ways that we can kind of navigate the beginning of this. But before I get to that, how do you, if you are a person who is in this place of contemplation, recognize whether or not this is something as an alcohol, not something that alcohol is actually hindering your life? Yeah. I mean, there are a couple things, but I would say if you are worried about your drinking, then it's something to look at, right? You know, I think that most people who are worried about their drinking are trying to limit it, are waking up at 3 a.m., huge sign, huge sign. You're actually just in withdrawal from alcohol and your body um, sort of jolts awake. Um, if you are feeling anxious, feeling depressed, and yet drinking, removing alcohol will help so much with that. So if you're listening to this and you're like, God, I kind of drink too much or I'm worried about it. That's enough of a sign to take a break, 
see how you feel without alcohol in your life. Don't do it with labels, do it as a health kick. But if you are trying to drink less often or less um, smaller quantities, what you're doing is you're staying in the constant drinking and withdrawal cycle. And you physically and emotionally do feel worse when you're not drinking. The only way to feel better and to get out of that cycle is to take a longer period of time without alcohol. And usually it takes 30 days to, you know, two weeks are the absolute hardest, but two weeks later you sort of are like, oh, wow, um, my dopamine levels are up because they were completely skewed by getting those huge hits of dopamine from alcohol and therefore my body naturally lowered mine. So I would say if you're thinking about it, that is your sign that it is a great idea to take a break for a while. And the other thing is like, there is so much support and guidance out there, right? There's a whole, um, there's a whole category of books that are called Quitlet, right? For people who are thinking about quitting drinking, there are books that appeal to the scientific mindset, to the personal narrative mindset, for women with young children, for men who are thinking it's not working for them, that you could dive into that. There are a ton of podcasts and mine is one, the Hello Someday podcast that's specifically designed for busy women who want to drink less and live more. And we don't just talk about removing alcohol, which is part of it. We talk about perfectionism. We talk about anxiety. We talk about burnout. We talk about the mom wine culture and how to sort of shift your thinking around it because Everybody has gone to drinking if it's a problem or if you're worried about it or you drink more than you want to. All it is is a maladaptive coping strategy. You do need to relax. You do need to disconnect. You do need to have self-soothing. It's just you're reaching for the wrong tool. Yeah, and that, and I love that you kind of just reinforced what my thought around it is, and that this idea that I just needed a different mechanism. Yeah. So, so let's say that you recognize that you're you're in this moment, you're you're contem you're in contemplation, maybe you're in pre-contemplation, you're just kind of like, eh, maybe, maybe not, or you're in this place where yes, okay, I recognize it's impacting my life negatively. I'm getting hung over three times a week. I'm spending hundreds of dollars that I don't have in the bar. I'm putting myself in precarious situations. Yeah. I'm doing things I wouldn't do if I were sober. Okay, there's something here. Maybe I'm not an alcoholic because I'm not drinking in the shower when I wake up in the morning, but I am drinking a bottle of wine four nights a week. Okay, this is a problem. Where do you start? Like hmm. with understanding, I think looking at, history and looking at people who have gone through that before you, I always think, did somebody do it before me? Okay, good. Yeah. Then that means it's possible. Okay. No, if somebody did it before me and I know it's possible, how do I avoid the pitfalls that they've made in that journey as they're starting to navigate this in the beginning? So what I'm curious about is what are some of the mistakes that people can avoid as they're starting to step into navigating sobriety, maybe for the first time in their life? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that you asked that question because there are a lot of mistakes that women make typically and men when they are thinking about quitting drinking. I would say the first one is spending a lot of time debating whether they actually have a problem or whether they're really that bad or whether they're an alcoholic. And that is just going to trip you up. It's also not necessary to think I'm going to stop forever or I'm never going to drink again. That's that black and white thinking that will stop you from ever seeing if you're actually happier without alcohol in your life. So I would instead forget about, am I bad enough, right? Alcohol is without argument bad for your health. It just is, right? The hangovers, the uh, puffy face, the bloating, the headaches, the bad, poor sleep, um, all of those things are bad for your health. So think about it like a health kick. Don't put all this meaning associated with it, right? All everybody loves to talk about their new Peloton or that they're going, you know, gluten free or that they're doing whole 30 or whatever the thing at keto, whatever the thing is of the month, the trend. So think about removing alcohol in that same category and tell people about it, 
right? Thinking that you're only going to not drink tonight or drink less or whatever it is, that's using willpower and motivation alone. And that will always run out, especially when you're surrounded by a stressful life, by pressure from family and friends, by alcohol being available everywhere around you. So if you tell people, hey, I'm doing a health kick and I'm going to eliminate alcohol from my life for 30 days or 100 days. When I work with my clients, I always recommend 100 days because sometimes in 30 days, the first two weeks, you're white knuckling it. The last two weeks, you're just counting down to the reward, which is drinking. But tell people you're taking a break from alcohol. Don't put all this meaning on it. And then Treat it as a time of true self-care because you're going to be tired in the beginning. You're going to be irritable. And so lots of naps, um, comfort food is okay. You're breaking a really addictive habit. Alcohol has a ton of sugar in it. You're going to crave sugar. So a lot of women finally stop drinking because they want to lose weight. They don't like the way they look. And they try to go on a diet at the same time. And that is just setting you up for failure because Two weeks in, you're going to be like, this is too hard. I'm miserable. I had a hard day. I deserve it. And is it because you're consuming way too few calories and no sugar? Or is it because of the alcohol? So you kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater and go get a burger and a beer. And, you know, that was the moment when you could have ditched alcohol and then you have all the time and energy in the world to get healthy. Promise. Yeah. And and, and here's what's so interesting, too, is when you understand the correlation between the fact that sugar is also addictive and that alcohol is addictive you and and the the biological movement of doing it is addictive yeah. right people you know I, I I remember when I quit smoking it was because I started chewing on toothpicks right <laughs> and and I think that there's also something to that what can you replace that yes. autonomic response that you have built into your really your biology to an extent right? and replace that with something more healthy. One of the things that I'm curious about, and and I understand, and I'm gonna dive into this a little bit deeper, maybe to challenge your narrative, of, just a touch. I wanna see where yeah, we go with do this. It. I, I'm a firm believer in binary thought processing. And what I mean by that is yes or no and removing space for gray area around certain things in your life. And I think about this idea and what you just said is like the opposite of what I'm now saying. Yeah. Is, is there in, how do I want to ask this? Because I'm asking in a practical way. When you enter in this process and you've made a decision, how do you stick to that decision while understanding that gray area is there and not actually falling back into old behavior patterns because you made a choice? Yeah. No, I hear you on that. And I totally get it. I think that by setting a time period, it does help you make that black and white decision, right? You know, especially I told my husband and my friends and my workout group and my colleagues, like, I'm not going to drink for 100 days, which was in my mind crazy, right? Because I couldn't make it four days without drinking at that time. And I'd go four days and then I'd drink a bottle of wine, you know, say, screw it, whatever. And then I'd go four days again. I'd be like, well, two bottles of wine in a, a week is way better than seven. So, you know, winning. But taking it off the table for a period of time lets, you know, does help you make that black and white decision. It does hold you accountable when you want to go back, which you will. And telling other people gives you accountability for it. But it also, you know, I know that if in the beginning you said that you would never drink again or that you were eliminating it completely from your life, then you would sit there if you went out to dinner and see someone else with a giant glass of wine or a cocktail and be like, oh my God, I am never going to have that again. I, you know, you want it, you long for it. It's socially pushed on you. You, you said indoctrinated, I say brainwashed our entire lives to believe that, I mean, even the fact you call it an adult beverage is a signifier that it is a privilege of adulthood and that it is important and it's required for connection and family. So as you go on, you're going to see the physical and habitual and mental effects. You're going to see that your stress is down and your anxiety is down, your energy is up, you look better, you feel better, work is easier, you have so much more time. And then, you know, during that process, I absolutely encourage 
tapping into community, tapping into books and podcasts that help you change your beliefs about alcohol so that by the time you get further away from it, you don't want to go back. You don't want to go back to waking up feeling like garbage. You don't want to go back to beating yourself up every morning for not having your life together. And I think that helps. So that's my take on the decision. Do you have trouble falling asleep at night because you have anxiety? I know that I do. And that's why I started using NW Recovery's Sleep Melatonin Formula with CBD. And it's a non-psychoactive CBD, which is really important to people like me who have anxiety and depression because sometimes THC can make you have panic attacks. And this doesn't. Not only is this formulation by NW Recovery made with melatonin, which helps you sleep, it has non-psychoactive CBD. So there's no THC in this product at all. I want you to check this out. If you've never used melatonin before, I have a tremendously difficult time sleeping. And when I started using the recovery sleep formulation, I sleep like a baby. So I want you to check out nw-recovery.com where you can use the keyword unbroken to save 20% on your first order. Again, that's nw-recovery.com and use the keyword unbroken to save 20%. In, in that, and I totally understand that it makes perfect sense to me, right? Because it's, I think there's also levels to it and you have to be able to assess everything around it. Yeah. When, when you're in this place though, and you said a word that I think is really, really, really important and that's accountability. And, and I think that, and, and this is just my own personal thought. I, I love the idea of accountability externally, but intrinsically it's the yeah. only way I've ever been able to accomplish anything. Talk to us a little bit more about tapping into and leveraging accountability on both sides of this equation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think with accountability, the hardest part of this process is actually drawing a line in the sand, saying that today is the day I'm going to start because so many of us sit there and say, well, it's Wednesday, but I've got a work dinner Thursday or you know, Friday's a terrible day to start. I'll start on Monday. So accountability in terms of internally, literally saying, I'm going to go 100 days. I'm starting now. Writing down on your calendar what day you're going to hit 100 days. Envisioning how you're going to look and feel and be when you are at 100 days. Writing down on a piece of paper why you want to stop, right? What do you want to stop feeling? And how do you want to live your life and feel about yourself instead? And keeping that front and center. And then, you know, I love day counters. I had and still have a um, app called I'm Done Drinking. The reason I like it is you plug in the day you start. You plug in how much you drink and how much it costs. And then a lot of people are like, okay, I went five days. I went 10 days. I went 30 days. That's great. But it's hard to see all the other benefits. So in this app, you can see the money you've saved, the calories you've saved, the bottles not consumed. So in my first 30 days, I saved $550, not poisoning myself. I didn't consume 40 bottles of wine and I'm five foot three. So that is insane. The idea, if you lined them up on a wall, ingesting and processing through your body and your organs that much alcohol and you feel proud of it you know the calories not consumed so now i've been five five and a half plus years sober i've saved over thirty five thousand dollars not drinking and trust me i've spent that money but i've spent it on yoga retreats and trips to amsterdam and greece and a personal trainer and you know all the amazing things in life to enjoy that aren't in a bottle. Yeah, I I love that. And it's so true. And, and I think that there's so much space for celebrating the micro wins along the way. And it starts with one choice, one decision, one action, one, one thing that puts you in a different direction from where you are right now in this moment. And I I love what you talked about in terms of saving money. And I, I think that that's so true. And, you know, you look at this is one of the really interesting things about drinking as you go, man, I spent $300 last night. Wow. Yeah. You can do that easily, right? You can do that yes. so easily. Go to the bar, go to the, and, and then you have that money. Imagine you take that and you put that into personal development 
You put that into your dreams. You put that into all of the things that you said you were going to do if you had money. Yes. Right. And, and that to me is a huge win because the reality, and I, I don't know that people ever really truly sit with this at depth. The only way that you're going to create massive change in your life is you're going to have to invest. You're going to have to invest time, effort, energy, or money. Most often you have to invest all four. And so yeah. if you're spending all of your investing in going to the bar and not remembering you know, you might have to ask yourself some really, really difficult questions. And in that, you're going to find some really interesting answers. But I think you're going to have to be honest with yourself. And so I'm, I'm curious, as, as we start to, to tell into this, if somebody is in this place and they're like, yeah, I want to be honest with myself, but I'm having a really hard time because I'm, I'm struggling with the shame and the guilt of the choices that I've made up till this moment. And I feel like I'm too far gone. Why bother? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you navigate that? I mean, I think that you can start feeling better really, really quickly. You know, it, of course, it depends on where you are in the spectrum in terms of is your addiction psychological? Is it habitual? Is it mental? Is it physical? You know, you have to, I love that you said massive change and massive change often starts with the first step, like you said, with the decision that you believe that tomorrow can be better than today and that you have the power to do it. So if you are physically addicted and need to go to detox, yes, do not do it on your own. Go under medical supervision. It can be really dangerous. But when you talk about sober curious and the gray area, there are millions and millions of people in that space where they just know or suspect that alcohol is making their life worse and they don't know how to get out of it, right? In my mind, hiring a sober coach or joining a group or investing in personal development, it's like hiring a personal trainer or a nutritionist, right? You know what to do, but you needed external accountability. You need reinforcement. You need cheerleading. You need someone to say, okay, I'm going to carve out an hour out of my week to actually talk about where I am, you know, with my goals, where I am now, where I want to be. Push me along that way. Encourage me to not have it get lost in the shuffle of what my boss wants, what my colleagues need, my business trip, my spouse. So I think that regardless of where you are on the spectrum or like I'm too far gone or there's no point, you deserve to have your life be better than it is now. And you can make that happen. Yeah, I love that. But again, it's a decision. And that's what I want people to take from this is, you know, you're going to have to make hard choices in your life around the things that you want. And I think that it's really easy to get caught up in, and especially around alcohol and all the things that we've talked about today and go, well, I'll just do it tomorrow. Yes. But you know what? You're going to run out of tomorrows. And when you do, you're going to be in trouble because you're going to look at your life and you're going to wonder what could have been. And, and I think that holds true of everything, not just alcohol, but all the choices yeah. and decisions that we have to make in our life. Um, th this has been an absolutely phenomenal conversation, Casey. So before I ask you my last question, um, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a podcast. Um, it is called the Hello Someday podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts and Michael's going to be on it. And I cannot wait for that conversation. So that is a great place to find me. And also my website is Hello Someday Coaching. And I've got a ton of free resources there. So if this is resonating with you, I have a completely free guide that's 30 tips for your first 30 days that will really help you take this conversation further and apply it in really practical ways. Beautiful. And we'll put all the information in the show notes. Of course, Casey, my friend, my last question for you is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? Mm. I think it means not to be a victim anymore, not to blame external circumstances for the things you're doing in your life that aren't serving you. So I used to always think that I drank because my job was stressful, because my life was stressful, because I had two young kids who I absolutely adored, but my life was work and chores and kids repeat. And the fact is that none of that was true. 
and that I could take power over my life, not blame external circumstances, not be a victim to my boss's demands or my requirements at home, and actually take that power back to myself, like you said, with a decision, with a decision that I could change my life and I could start by making a choice and taking the first step. Beautiful. Very well said. Casey, my friend, thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, leave a review, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.